Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for your church. We thank you for the body of Christ here and all over the world. We praise you that you have not let us live in your grace by ourselves, but you call us to live in a body with other believers, to stand strong with one another. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray for this church body, the body of First Southern Baptist of Scottsdale. We thank you so much for every person here. And Lord, we thank you for what you've called us to and how you are leading us. And Lord, this morning within this church body, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would change our minds and our hearts, you would mold us into the men and women of God that you call us to be. So speak to us through your worship, through your word, Speak to us and change us from the inside out. And Lord, again, we thank you for who you are. And we lift all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our loving Savior. Amen. It was a night that he could not forget, that he would not forget. He promised himself that he would remember every little detail of that night. From the smell of the fresh baked bread as he walked into the room. And how that aroma lifted his heart. Even to the chill that the water gave to his feet and comforted him and and eased the achiness of the feet that had walked a long distance that day. Yet even as he felt comfort from the the coolness of the water, he was also very uncomfortable and a little embarrassed at the fact that someone as great as Jesus was touching his feet in this moment. He remembered the eerie silence in the room. Understand, this group that he was with normally was so loud that you had to keep them quiet at times, and yet... That entire evening, every element that took place that night, that crowd, that group was eerily silent. He remembers how it was strange but comforting at the same time. The remembrance of the shock at hearing that someone in that room was going to betray Jesus He remembers how he felt the moment those words came from Jesus' mouth. And how in his heart of hearts, he begged God that it was not him. And yet, of all of the elements, the smells, the the things he heard and did not hear, uh, of the the sensations of the cool water and the hands touching his feet, of all of those things... The thing he remembered the most was what was said. Jesus started by saying, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment. He remembers being silent and being so attentive to every word that was pouring out of the mouth of Jesus in that moment. A new commandment. I give you. What was the commandment? What was Jesus about to reveal to us? 
He could hear the emphasis in Jesus' voice as He said, a new commandment I give to you. He knew that that moment He was going to hear something that would change His life. What was it going to be? A new commandment I give to you to love one another. Love one another. He knew in that moment that those few words had just changed his life. Today we're continuing in our series called Empowered as we look at men and women throughout the Bible who God used in powerful ways to change the world. And today we're looking at a man named John, not John the Baptist, although we'll come to John the Baptist uh, later before the end of the year. We're talking about John the disciple, later John the apostle. And the the monologue that I just presented was what I kind of think John probably thought about when he remembered back to the Lord's Supper, the, the Passover meal that Jesus and his disciples had before he was betrayed and later Uh, hung on the cross. Uh, And John was a powerful man for God's Word. He he did amazing things. But before I go any further, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to the book of 1 John. Now, there are four Johns in the Bible, okay? So I want you to turn to the one called 1 John. If you go to the back of your Bible, you'll hit a book called Revelation, If you keep going backwards, you'll eventually hit Jude and then 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. That's where I want you to be is 1 John. If you don't have a Bible with you or an app on your device, there are Bibles in the backs of the pews. Feel free to grab one of those and turn to 1 John. Now, if you don't have a Bible at home, grab that Bible out of the back of the pew and at the end of the service... Just put it under your arm and walk out the door with it today because we want everyone to have a Bible at their home that they can study and read and reference. So let that be our gift to you this morning. So feel free to take that Bible home. We would love it if you did that today. So 1 John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. As you're turning to to 1 John chapter 4, let me tell you a little bit about John. He was a pivotal figure, a pivotal person in the New Testament account, in the timeline, the storyline of the New Testament. Um, He is referred to as the beloved disciple. He's the disciple that at the Lord's Supper, he sat right next to Jesus and leaned into him. Uh, So John was very, very close to Jesus. He was the brother of James, and together Jesus called these two brothers the sons of thunder. Now imagine for just a moment... What that name, what that nickname must have meant about these two brothers, James and John. These two brothers were loud, they were opinionated, and they were constantly causing trouble. And Jesus called them the sons of thunder as a result. Now John was privileged to be at many of the the miracles of Jesus that some of the other disciples did not get to witness. Um, There were several times through Jesus' ministry where he would leave nine of the disciples behind somewhere and he would take three of them with him. 
And John was one of those three that would go with Jesus to these special miracles or these special events in Jesus' ministry. Uh, Some examples, the transfiguration. Uh, There's a point in Jesus' ministry where Jesus takes uh, three of His disciples, one of them being John, up to this mountain, this hillside, and Jesus is changed in front of them. He, He starts glowing white, literally glowing white. And in front of him appear Elijah and Moses, two of the greatest men of the Old Testament. And they start talking, and John got to witness this event. Um, John was with Jesus closely during the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus goes and prays right before he is arrested. And so John was witness to a lot of the things uh, that, that the others didn't get to see. John is the only disciple mentioned by name standing at the cross witnessing the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, We don't know if the other disciples were actually there or if John was the only one. It's not completely clear in the Bible, but we do know that at least John was the one that was there. And Jesus looks at John from the cross and gives John the authority to to take care of Jesus' mother once Jesus passes away. Um, as I mentioned, there are a lot of books of John. There is John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. So John is an author of much of our New Testament. Uh, so a lot of what we understand about Jesus and what he did and said comes from the witness of John himself. Um, tradition tells us that he was one of the pillars of the early church. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he was called one of the three pillars of the church. John, Peter, and uh, James, the brother of Jesus, were these three pillars that everybody kind of went to uh, for the decision-making and the leading of the church. Um, And so he was very important in those early days. Tradition teaches us that he was the last of all of the disciples to actually pass away, and he had a rocky rough life. So he went out uh, at one point after Jesus' death. He was living in Jerusalem, and then there became, this came in, this very strong persecution. And there was a point in Jerusalem where most of the Christians were scattered. They had to leave Jerusalem. They fleed. And John was one of those that left. And as he left, he got arrested. And it's recorded uh, in some historical documents that John uh, was arrested and uh, because of the persecution that was taking place, he was given a death sentence. And his death sentence, the way they were going to kill him, notice the were there, the way they were going to kill him was they were going to take him and put him into a vat of boiling oil. And so they did it. They put him in this vat of boiling oil. Now, tradition teaches that he came out of the boiling oil completely untouched. That his body did not have any burning, any scarring, any blistering. He didn't smell of oil. Sound familiar? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we kind of touched on last week. And because he didn't die from this, Roman law taught that a person could not be executed a second time. He was excommunicated. He was sent away to the island of Patmos where he spent uh, pretty much the last parts of his life and did a lot of his writing from Patmos. And then he was released. He served his sentence. He was released. And he either went back to Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, and died a natural death there. Or there's another tradition that teaches that he went 
uh, left and that he was actually killed uh, by a group of Jewish uh, people that were against the movement of Christ that was taking place at that time. One way or the other, John had an interesting life, didn't he? John had an amazing life, both an example and what he did, but he really brings us a lot of what we believe today. Uh, and one of the things that we see, there, there are certain themes that you kind of see some of the Bible writers kind of hold on to. One of the themes that we see John hold on to and teach a lot about is love. John, one of John's big emphasis are the teachings of Jesus about love. Loving others, loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's what we're going to focus on this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4, or 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 19 and read through chapter 5, verse 5. So chapter 4, verse 19 says this. We love because He first loved us. Talking about God. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commandments. In fact, this is love for God to keep His commandments, or keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God amazing passage. And if you take this passage and you go look in John 13 where Jesus gives the new command to love one another, you see this intimate connection between what John is teaching here in 1 John and what Jesus taught him right in the Passover meal that he had with his disciples. That loving one another, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ is a key element to our faith in Christ. That you cannot have one without the other. You can't say that you're a follower of Christ and not love your fellow Christian. You can't say that you love your fellow Christian and not love God. The two go hand in hand. And so here's my statement for the, the, this Sunday morning. The big idea, the idea that I want you to think about and let it kind of simmer in your mind this week. The statement is this. His love leads to faith, and faith leads to love. His love leads to faith. That's something we can all agree on. That, that without the love of God, we can't have faith. We are incapable of faith without the love of Jesus Christ. But that love and faith, or that faith, should lead back to us loving it should be a circular pattern that revolves through faith and love and faith and love and faith and love, beginning with the love of God. Now, John is a shining example of one who endured because of his faith. 
I mean, let's be honest, if the traditional teaching about John being put in a vat of boiling oil and him surviving, if that story, if that account is true, then John has gone through more difficulty than any of us could ever imagine, right? The physical placement that he must have been in in that moment, the, the, the thoughts that he must have had as they escorted him towards that vat of boiling oil, that's something most of us will never experience. And I think John has something to teach us about overcoming. I think he has something to teach us here in 1 John about how to endure, how to end strong, how to be the men and women of God, even in difficult times, that he was. And so, the one thing that I love about this particular passage is it teaches itself. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to let this teach it to us. So look with me back at chapter 4, verse 19. We're going to go step by step through this passage because it teaches us step by step how to live in the faith that John talks about here. So chapter 4, verse 19, he says, We love because He first loved us. We've already said it. And we know it's true. We can love because He first loved us. Without His love, without that agape, that remember, it's been about nine months now since I taught about the agape love that's taught in the book of Philippians. That love that, that doesn't have conditions attached to it, that, that is limitless, that love is capable. We have the capacity because He had given it to us first. We can do it because He did it. So love is there because He loved us. Now look at verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. We cannot say that we love God if we do not love our fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus. This is the family of God, isn't it? Now, this is the family of God that is at First Southern of Scottsdale. But we are part of a greater family, aren't we? We are a handful, a tiny fraction of the fullness of the family of God. There's a reason that John uses the words brother and sister here. We are brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't have great relationships with a lot of my brothers and sisters. Imagine, remember, go back in time and remember growing up in your household if you had brothers and sisters. Were those relationships always great? Did you always just get along and love one another? Yeah, the chuckles tell me the truth there. The fact is, is John is not encouraging us to treat the other followers of Christ the way we did really treat our brothers and sisters. We are supposed to be ideally loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is not the way you treat your actual brothers and sisters, but how we should treat our brothers and sisters. And so this passage shows us so clearly that because of God's love, remember, John is referring to God many times as God the Father. He as our Father, we as His children are called to love one another. 
And when our Father says, I love you, that love should be so empowering and should be infiltrating so much of our lives that that love spills into the lives of the brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of Christ. Look with me now at chapter 5, verse 1, the next verse. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You see, when we believe in Jesus, we become born of God. We become part of the family. Every single one of us who claim to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we have that life-changing hope of Jesus in our lives, that hope, that relationship, that belief and faith makes us the adopted children of God. The moment we begin believing in Jesus, we become adopted children. We get brought into the family. Now, did we do anything to deserve being brought into this family? No. It is solely through the love of God that we're brought into the family. Let's look at the next passage, verse 2. It says, And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. You see, our love for God will lead to love for other believers. I found this quote, and it, I did not find a reference to it. It says this, Even as one cannot love God without loving his children, so also it is impossible to truly love the children of God without loving God also. All of this is completely interconnected. We're brought in and adopted as children because of the love of God, and the love of God empowers us and gives us the ability to love His other children. The two cannot exist without one or the other. Our love for God cannot exist without loving Christians, and loving Christians cannot exist without the love of God. Period. And I love what it says that His love is not burdensome. Now, burdensome actually means that it doesn't mean that it's easy. It means that when you take it on, there will never be regret or a feeling that there's too much in your life. You see, it's not going to be easy to follow God. And anybody who tells you that following God is easy is probably either trying to lie to you about something or they're trying to sell you something. Following God is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Look at the life of John. John got thrown in a vat of boiling oil. That's not easy. Miraculously, according to to tradition, he survived. But guys, there is no aspect of that that could have been easy. But even in the difficult times, even when following Jesus is hard, it's not burdensome. You'll never go home thinking, man, I really wish I hadn't followed Jesus. That's not what you're going to think. You're never going to go home and think, man, I really wish God would stop loving me so much. It's never going to be burdensome. It will be hard. It won't be burdensome. Now look at verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 4. 
For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You see, loving God, being born of God, equals overcoming the world. When we live in faith and we let that faith consume us, we let that love that God has for us, when that consumes every ounce of our being, we will have victory. Whether that victory manifests itself some way on this earth or whether that victory is in our eternal loving existence and relationship with God the Father, we will have victory. Again, please hear me. That does not mean your life will be easy. It means that you will have victory in the end, if not sooner than that. Victory is available to us. Now look at the last verse, verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes in Jesus is the Son of God. Hear me clearly on this. If you want to have that overcoming power, if you want to have that victory, you have to have the life-changing hope of Jesus. You have to believe and have faith in what Jesus did for you and everyone on the cross. You have to believe that Jesus was a real person who lived a real life and who was the Son of God who lived a sinless, perfect life, who hung on the cross at the end of His life and shed His blood so that your sins could be washed away and be forgiven. And that after that death on the third day, Jesus in victory rose from the grave. That is what the victory and overcoming that John is speaking about, that's what he means. The victory's already been won. We already have won. We already have the victory because Jesus guaranteed it to us on the cross and when He rose from the grave. But you have to live in that victory. You have to embrace that victory and let that victory be what leads your life. That victory through Jesus Christ. And you can have that victory. You can have that faith. And if you have questions about it, I want you to come grab Pastor Josh or myself, and we'd love to have conversation because all we're talking about is making Jesus your master and your savior because Jesus wants to do that in your life. Jesus wants to give you that life-changing hope and change your life forever in victory. Will you take that step? if you don't have that relationship with Him? Are you ready to take that next step to overcome the world? And those of you who are followers in Christ, are you living in victory today? When people encounter you, do they see victory in your eyes? Do they hear victory in your voice? Or are you beaten down? Are you letting the world win against the salvation that you have? You have to embrace the victory. Your troubles will still come. This life is not going to be easy. But the hope is in knowing that in the end, no matter how difficult or how hard it is, you've won because Jesus won for you. Will you live 
in the victory. Go back to this statement. His love leads to faith, and faith leads to love. John teaches us very clearly that victory is intimately tied with love. God's love to us is what gives us victory. John was able to overcome all the difficulties he had because of the love of God. And that love is available to you today. Will you embrace it? Will you live in the love that Jesus offers? Now, John is an amazing example of what victory, lo- uh, victory in life looks like. Living by faith. Loving God in obedience to His commands and loving one another. And we do that as a family. I've expounded extensively on the fact that we are adopted children of the body of Christ and that we're not just part of, this is not the only part of the body of Christ, that we're not the only family of Jesus. There's family all over the world. We are a tiny fraction of the family of God. And we've got the privilege today to have somebody with us who is a part of the extended family of God that we actually help and have the opportunity to support. I'm going to invite Kelly up uh, to come join me this, uh, this morning up here. I'm not sure if that's on. Let me make sure that's on. Yep, it's on. This is Kelly Parrish. Um, he is the lead pastor at Living Rock uh, in Colorado. I'm going to let him explain more about that and give us some details about it. But Kelly and Living Rock uh, is a, a, a ministry that we have been supporting through First Southern for uh, quite a long time. Um, and uh, part of your giving, uh, we give back to other ministries. Uh, and Living Rock is one of the many ministries that we give back to. So Kelly, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and Living Rock. Uh, give us a little background. Sure, absolutely. So those, those of you that don't know, you guys, as uh, Pastor Chad just, just mentioned, you guys have supported us for years. And uh, man, we are so incredibly thankful for you. We're, we're thankful for your financial support, of course, but we're even more thankful for your prayers and your, just your continued support of our family, of the work that God has called us to, Living Rock Church um, there in Colorado. We moved to Colorado uh, almost six years ago. We launched Living Rock Church about four and a half years ago. Uh, understanding, Chad, I love um, the passage that you were in this morning, understanding that our calling was simple. It was to go and to love people in the name of Jesus because we have been loved uh, because we have, have heard and understood and received the gospel, which is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And so that's what we seek to do at Living Right Church is just simply to love people, to plant the gospel in relationships, and to disciple people to go and to do the same. And God is blessed along the way for sure. We've had, had the privilege of baptizing many. We've, we've had baptisms this summer. Uh, we've seen uh, salvation. Uh, we've seen um, just hundreds that have come to camps. We've seen hundreds that have come to events that we've done and we've had the opportunity to connect to and to share the hope of Jesus with. Uh, we've had the privilege of planting three other churches in the past several years. Um, two of those churches in the past year. In the fall, we sent about um, 10 to 12 people uh, to plant Keystone Church in Loveland, which is about uh, 10 miles from us. And uh, they are growing and thriving, and we're excited about the gospel being planted in Loveland through Keystone Church. And then this past 
January, we had the privilege of planting Living Rock Church of Severance. And Severance, which is a community just east of us, we sent about 70 people uh, to plant Living Rock Church of Severance, understanding that the best way to reach a people with the gospel is to plant the gospel in that church by planting, or in that community by planting a church. So God has been blessing and moving, um, and we're just excited that we get to be a part of that. That's awesome. So to tell us a little bit about some of the, the things that God has been doing in Living Rock and the ministries that you, uh, you guys are doing there in Colorado. Sure. Uh, there's, there's, there's big picture, and then there's, um, there, there's really the underlying, this is what God is doing in the lives of people. And, and I'd love to just share uh, the stories of a couple of different people that God, God has moved in. Uh, again, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe and so we are about planting the gospel and trusting that God's going to move and work in that. Uh, we've got a, a, a guy that, um, that has grown into leadership but began uh, incredibly skeptical. And um, he, he came to, to church every now and then. We connected with him through the kids' schools, but he came to church every now and then with his family. Uh, he was incredibly skeptical, skeptical about uh, Jesus, about the gospel, about what we were doing. Uh, and we just sought to love him, uh, just really sought to love him at every opportunity, every chance that we got. Um, he eventually, uh, he saw his children come to faith in Christ and um, eventually began to come more and more and to listen more and more instead of sitting with his arms crossed. Um, and, and the gospel penetrated a heart of stone and changed that heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And he eventually came to faith. He's been discipled, and now he's stepped into leadership as part of our church. Awesome. Um, we've got a family that we, uh, a husband and wife, that we just baptized um, this past uh, July. And they were, uh, they were seeking truth. They had grown up kind of on the peripheral of church in Colorado. Uh, they were seeking truth. We connected with them at a community event uh, and just maintained a relationship with them, seeking opportunity to plant the gospel in their lives um, and, and they heard the gospel over and over again before they ever stepped into the doors of our church through not just a relationship with Brandy and I, but through other relationships within our body from people just being intentional and just loving and just reaching out and inviting into our homes and seeking to serve them and love them well uh, in the midst of that relationship. And they eventually both have come to Christ and were recently baptized in July. Um, I think about, I, I could go on and on, but yeah, I think about, I bet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> think about another family that connected with us in the spring and um, no faith background at all. And, um, but again, we just connected with them through a, through a family uh, from our church and just sought to love them well in the midst of some transition that they were experiencing. And, um, and eventually they came to our body. And as soon as they came into our body and experienced our body, in our large group worship gathering, uh, in our small groups, um, they knew that that's what they were looking for, that they, this is a community that they were seeking. And so they plugged into that community, and we're still, still seeing them uh, in process. Uh, we've seen their daughters give their lives to Christ uh, over this summer, and um, we're uh, excited and expectant about what God has ahead for, uh, for this couple as well. So Amen. God's moving, God's working. Uh, I tell people all the time, we, we seek to love really well. We don't do it perfectly, uh, but we seek to just love people where they're at and, and trust that God's going to give us opportunities. He's going to open the door for the gospel 
in those relationships. Um, and when he does, we seek to step in and trust that he's going to move and work, and those seeds of the gospel are going to take root and grow up into salvation. We're going to see the dead come to life. And Amen. we are seeing that. We're seeing that. We're seeing God do that. Um, and uh, we get to be a part of that. So it's incredible. And you guys are such an incredible part of that as well through your financial support, through your prayer support, uh, through your letters and your cards and those things that you guys do so faithfully and have done so faithfully for so long. Uh, you guys are a significant part of what God's doing in northern Colorado. And we're so thankful for you. Awesome. Now, I didn't give you a heads up on this. Why are you in Arizona this weekend? Like, what's, <laughs> what, why in the world would you leave cool Colorado and come to, you know, Satan's next door <laughs> state? We love it here. We love it here. We love sweating. It is it's hot, awesome. though. I mean, you it walk is. out the doors right now, and you're going to have to stay in the shade and maneuver from shade point to shade point because That's right. it's so hot. We, uh, we anticipate being here often over the next springs. Now, why, but spring why, comes. why is that? <laughs> um, our oldest son, who's not with us this morning, our oldest son, we just moved in to the dorm at Arizona Christian University. Amen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is why mama's not up here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We just moved him into the dorm at ACU um, on Thursday, no, Friday, on yeah. Friday, and we're Man, we are ecstatic about him being here and being a part of this community and what God has ahead for him. He's a baseball player, and so he'll be playing uh, baseball at ACU over the next years. Um, and he is just, he's all in, and he's excited. Awesome. And uh, we moved him in Friday, and I think we've seen him once since then. Is that right? <laughs> it's because he wanted money. It's uh, the only reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're excited about him being here, and um, you guys, you guys get to some ACU baseball games this spring. Yeah, uh, it'll amen. Be fun. So be in prayer for Kelly, his wife Brandy. Uh, obviously, they're going to be around a little bit because uh, their son is now in the state of Arizona. Uh, going to ACU, uh, but be praying for them, their ministry, and their church. Know uh, that when you give in the offering, there's a portion of that money that you give that goes to his church uh, to help supplement the ministries and the work that's being done by God uh, in Colorado. In and in a part of Colorado, actually, that's not reached all that much. Uh, there's a great need there. Absolutely. So um, just know that that your, your dollars goes to help... Uh, uh, guys like Kelly and, and many others, but uh, hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of Kelly and Brandy um, in the coming year. So uh, will you join me in prayer as we close out? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for all that you're doing here in this body of Christ, through this body of Christ, and to other bodies of Christ. We thank you for the family of Jesus that we have who is available to us. We thank you for the victory that you have given us because Jesus is risen from the grave. Thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we pray that we would leave this place today changed in victory in Jesus. So thank you, Lord. We thank you for Kelly and Brandy and Living Rock Church and the work that they are doing in Colorado. And we pray blessings over them as they continue to pursue you as they love their community in the name of Jesus. So bless them. Bless their son at ACU. We thank you that they're here and we pray that you would continually guide them and bless them in their work. 
Lord, we thank you so much and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now is the time in our service where we encourage you to respond, whether that be through worship uh, or maybe you need to pray this morning. If you need to pray, um, know that our altar is available to you. We want you to come forward and, and just kneel here if you would like to do that. Maybe you have questions about what a life-changing relationship with Jesus looks like. Maybe you want to know more about what it looks like to have victory in Jesus. And if you would like to know more about that, or you'd like to make that next step, then come talk to me or Pastor Josh. Uh, we'll be on this front pew. We'll also be available after the service. We would love the opportunity to talk to you.